You are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. This morning, we're going to continue our theme and focus for January of 2021, which is Restore. Taking from uh, David's writing in Psalm 51, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And I believe that he is. I believe we're feeling that in the house today. And I want to honor Sister Reed who came through so powerfully last week with a word on being restored through prayer. Our individual prayers, our corporate prayers, the intercessory prayers that we prayed. God is calling us all to that right now, and I'm so thankful. I want to encourage you to be at Growth University this Wednesday. We are having united prayer at Growth University for the month of January, and I know because I could feel it online that God is very present in this room and is hearing our prayers on Wednesday night, so please, please plan to be a part of that with us. And so this morning, I want to preach to you and I pray encourage you with the second thing that we are doing to be restored in 2021, and that is fasting. I did not expect applause. I expected exactly that, and that is okay. My only request is that you do not kill the messenger today, okay? This is my assignment from my boss in heaven and on earth that I preach to you on fasting. And so as we turn to the word of the Lord today, it is undeniable the power and the significance that fasting has in biblical history. When you look in the Bible, almost every leader fasted, and the Bible tells us so. These people were powerful. They had significant places in God's plan, and yet they humbled themselves before God through fasting. Moses fasted. Elijah fasted. Ezra fasted. Nehemiah fasted. Daniel fasted. Esther fasted fasted. Anna fasted. Paul fasted. Cornelius fasted. And even Jesus Christ fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And so what is fasting? If you're not sure, maybe some of us need a refresher course, and I'm here for it today. Fasting is simply to abstain from food, It's to eat only sparingly or to eat only certain kinds of food for a period of time. And so this morning, to be clear, in the Bible, there's no way around it. I wish there was. I've looked for it. None. (laughs) But the definition of a biblical fast is to restrict food for a spiritual purpose. Yesterday, I was fascinated to understand that the Hebrew word for cover the mouth. We've been doing a lot of that lately, haven't we? It just stood out to me that fasting means to put a mask on your mouth, cover it up. But I realized this morning that many of us are familiar with the idea of fasting. Some of us are familiar with it in a church or religious 
context. Pentecostals are certainly not the only uh, group of people to observe fasting as a religious practice. Some of us are familiar with it in terms of health benefits. It's actually the, one of the latest crazes in the diet world is this idea of intermittent fasting. And if you do any research into it, the benefits are in fasting are quite staggering. But can I say they should not be surprising to us as believers, for God has always had our best interests at heart in what he asks us to do. We always benefit from following God's plan. And so there's much to read and consider right now on the natural benefits of fasting. Some are physical and some are actually mental. It can boost your cognitive performance. It protects from obesity and associated chronic diet loss. Helps. But if you're anything like me, information is not enough to convince me to fast. No, because food, I've confessed this to you before, so I feel like I must acknowledge this. Food is one of my love languages. If I give up a meal voluntarily, something is either wrong with me or I am in a spiritual pursuit because food motivates me like nothing else in life. It is sad. It is true. And I understand that some people are not passionate about food. They don't really care. They don't anticipate their meal like I do. I live with somebody like that. I don't understand it. I don't want to understand that. And that's part of the horror of my COVID experience is that I am not enjoying food as I once did, and I'm mad. Pot, please help me. You know. You know that it matters. Glorious food. But this is something that is in us. It is present in our first moments of life in this world is hunger. There is nothing as debilitating as a screaming hungry baby. Do you remember those of you who are parents the first time you learned to start coping with the crying baby? Please make it stop. Whatever you have to do. Life just stops if there's a baby that's hungry, right? And I learned this early on. Emma has always been a very passionate, very articulate individual. And she let us know in the first few days of life exactly when she was hungry. And I remember pontificating this reality with my amazing dad. My mom and dad spent the first two weeks of Emma's life with us when we lived in Grove Fort, and it was a wonderful, wonderful time. They're being especially just distraught about the crying, the endless crying, and my dad was trying to, you know, defend his grand angel that he was absolutely worshiping and, and help me calm down and just, it's going to be okay. This is normal. This is natural. And I remember him saying to me very sincerely, Chris, can you imagine the horror of experiencing hunger for the very first time? And I thought, well, only he could have put it like that. But, <laughs> but it's true. There, there's something unnatural about being hungry. I, I was hangry way before there was a term for it. It's just, it's part of life. It's part of how God created us to need and require food. And so why, 
does his word tell us there are times when we should not eat food? Jesus actually quoted the Old Testament in the book of Matthew when he told Satan, it is written, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We were never meant on the world, says. And so fasting is very simply a biblical way to truly humble yourself in the sight of God. King David said, I humble myself through fasting. Fasting enables the Holy Spirit to reveal your true spiritual condition to you. And that results in brokenness, in repentance, and in a transformed life. The prophet Nehemiah describes his experience in chapter 1, verse 4. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Fasting and prayer are the only disciplines that fulfill chapter 7, verse 14. You're familiar with it. We prayed it on Wednesday night in United Prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, will fast and pray, then I will hear from heaven. Fasting can result in a dynamic personal revival in your own life. Has anybody here had that experience where there was a turning point in your walk with God after a season of fasting? And in turn, it makes you a channel of revival to other people. We find Joel making reference to this in his book when he said, consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. And again in chapter 2, now therefore says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. And so it's very imperative for us on this cold Sunday morning in January that we see the call to fast preceding the promise that Peter talked about in the book of Joel on the day of Pentecost. In this church, we believe for a mighty outpouring of God's spirit in the last days. Joel saw it. Peter preached about it on the birthday of the church about the old church expect it we have experienced it and we believe these things are going to come to pass even more so as we come to the second coming of the lord joel said it shall come to pass afterward i will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy i claim that for the calvary church your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions i claim it For the Calvary Church, it is the word of the Lord. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. But we must understand this incredible prophecy, this powerful promise from God is preceded with a call to fast. Fasting brings the promises of God to pass. Joel was used by the Spirit to answer the question, what does it take for God to pour out his Spirit on all flesh? It is prayer and it is fasting together. 
We cannot overemphasize the potential that fasting has in our lives and in world events. When I first started praying about this message, the first thing the Lord quickened to moments in Scripture, when God intervened on behalf of a nation because people were praying and fasting corporately. I want to remind you of two of these instances. There are more in Scripture. The first one is the city of Nineveh. The Bible tells us very plainly that Nineveh was a very wicked place. It was so evil that the man of God, Jonah, refused to go there. He did not believe they were deserving of God's mercy. Whoa. That doesn't speak well for Nineveh or the man of God, Jonah. He said, have at them, God. They deserve your wrath. And so our children know very well the story of how God convinced Jonah to go ahead and go to Nineveh and preach. And I think Jonah was more amazed than anybody to realize that the people of Nineveh believed God, the Bible says. As a result of hearing the word of God preached to them, they proclaimed a fast. These evil, horrible people got it together after hearing the word of God. And and the Bible says they put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Everyone in Nineveh went on a fast. And God's response was certain. Then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. Does that sound familiar to you? It's a cross-reference if you're a Bible quizzer. Second Chronicles 7.14 Turn from their evil way. And here we see God fulfilling that promise to Nineveh. God relented from the disaster that he said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. Fasting works as far as God is concerned this morning. The second book of the Bible we find this is the book of Esther. You see, the people of Nineveh were not the only ones that called a fast because they were so desperate for God's intervention. They were in dire need of his help. One of the most decisive and lethal plots against the Jews was thwarted through prayer and fasting. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews who are neither night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go while I perish. And we see the results of this united effort by the Jews. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman. You talk about taking care of the bad guy. And they hanged him on the gallows because he tried to lay his hand on the Jews. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name and seal it with the king's signet ring for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. Fasting can release the power of God in unprecedented ways. Fasting can cause God to change the heart of a king. Not only were God's people spared, their enemy was eliminated. And the Jews had joy and gladness, a feast and a holiday. They were prepared for the greatest massacre of the Jews to date, and instead they got a holiday. 
a day they still celebrate and observe because God responded to their prayers. And so let me point out the obvious for us this morning. God's people have never been hopeless. They have never been helpless. We may not know a lot about what to do and how to respond right now, but we do know enough. We know because of what this book shares with us that we can pray and we can fast. And so throughout the Bible, we see men and women who were willing to do whatever it took to prevail in prayer. There were times when prayer and fasting was the only way to get the work accomplished. And so I submit to you that fasting is the secret weapon of God's people. In times of desperation, when the need is great and there are no answers, when everything else has seemed to have failed, prayer coupled with fasting clearly and consistently closes the gap between heaven and earth. It is undeniable when you read this book because fasting releases the miraculous And Jesus acknowledged this fact when his own followers were unable to command a demon to leave a young man in Matthew 17. And what is so interesting about this incident is that they had done it before. Remember when they come to Jesus and they are so excited. Jesus, we're doing it. We're doing what you taught us. The demons are subject to us through your name. And this day, nothing happened. To the distress of the young man's father who brought him to Jesus and said, Jesus, I took him to your fathers and they were not able to help him. And so Jesus reminded the disciples that day, and I believe he is reminding us today, that there are some special spiritual preparation. Prayer and fast. came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, we love that part, right? You can talk about that all day. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. There are things that will only be made possible through prayer and fasting. And so this morning, if you need a breakthrough in your life, call fast. If you need an answer, if you are desperate to hear from God for yourself or your family, call a fast. If you're tired of being controlled by this flesh. Your carnality has been out of control for so long. You need something to break. You need something to change. The Bible lets us know. Call a fast. And so this morning, I want to be very clear in what it is not. According to the scripture, there are three types of fasts. There's an absolute fast where no food or water is consumed. It's the one that Jesus did. It should be a short fast. And if you're not sure if you can or you should, please consult your physician about this. I think that's wise. There's a normal fast in Scripture where only water is consumed and and no food is consumed at that time. And then there's also a partial fast. We see the mighty Daniel do this, where he only ate certain types 
of food for an extended period of time. And so refraining from media, although that's good, pulling ourselves out of maybe our typical means of entertainment and distraction, those are all very good things, and I support them completely. But to be clear, they are not fasting as far as the Bible is concerned. During a fast, it's good to restrict those things. I think now is a really good time to limit those things. But the idea is to devote the time that you would have spent doing those things in prayer, in spiritual person or killing spirit on a diet. It must be accompanied by a spiritual component. And finally, to be very clear, fasting is not for God. Fasting is not a means of divine manipulation where I twist the arm of God because I haven't eaten for seven days. So you have to do what I want, God. You are obligated. That is not what fasting is. Fasting teaches us self-control. Fasting makes us submit our will to the will of God to say, God, I want to be in alignment with what you have already said is going to happen. I want my spirit to be in submission to your Holy Spirit. And so today, I want to submit to you as I'm concluding three reasons why I believe that we, the Calvary Church, should fast at this significant moment in world history and in the history of our local church. Fasting prepares us, number one. Fasting silences your carnality in a way that nothing else can. It essentially tells your flesh to sit down. Carnal self, sit down and be quiet and listen to the word of the Lord. And this is why Jesus spoke so condemningly to how the hypocrites fasted. It's not that what they were doing was wrong. It was how they were doing it. It was all wrong. Jesus said, when you fast... Do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Fasting prepares us to hear from God. Secondly, fasting positions us to hear. He said, then I to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. We fast in anticipation of a spiritual breakthrough. We fast to position ourselves to hear God's answer. We silence the other voices, and there are many to be sure. And I think now is a good time to limit your media consumption. I don't think you're going to benefit from another opinion or projection at this point. It's bad. It's probably going to get worse. Okay. And so instead, I want to hear what God's plan is. Because he has a plan. And he wants to share it with me. It's all right here. God is always speaking. It's up to you and I to be listening. And I don't know if you remember our series we did on prayer with the book Whisper. That whole concept of a still, small voice requires you to be close enough to hear the voice of God. 
And fasting can help you do that. And then finally, fasting propels us to God's purpose. Acts 13, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Them, having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them, they sent them away. Fasting makes the miraculous possible for God's people. Divine appointments are orchestrated as a direct result of prayer and fasting. There's no way to conclude otherwise when you're reading the book of Acts. I hope you're reading it with us this month. And and it hit me for the first time. Saul was praying and fasting, waiting for Ananias to come and pray for him. The Bible says to let us know he neither ate nor drank for three days. And look what we got out of that fast. We got the Apostle Paul. My God. Acts chapter 10. Cornelius sees a vision. He sees an angel tell him, call for one Simon, Peter. What was he doing? The Bible tells us he was praying and fasting. Thank God Cornelius was praying and fasting because you and I get to be a part of God's church because of that divine appointment between Cornelius and Peter that day. Thank you, Jesus. Praying and fasting sends part here, the gospel. Prayer and fasting in the book of Acts is a key part of how they started new churches, how they commissioned and sent people to start churches and to establish them and to teach people the word of God. And prayer and fasting also helped them bring peaceful resolutions to times of great trial and conflict that the church experienced early on. And so this is what I believe this morning the Lord would require of us, this present generation of TCC. I wish so much sometimes that some of you who are newer to Calvary could have known the incredible people who prayed and fasted this church into existence. I know the stories. I grew up hearing the prophecies. I grew up with our bishops praying and fasting, putting signs on the church door. We're praying and fasting. That is our heritage here. God has made promises to this church that would blow your mind. But I am here to tell you because I've been here a long time. He will not do it without us praying and fasting. And so what I feel so burdened by right now is for a new generation of Calvary to take those old mantles that belong to this church family and say, God, I will wear that cloak. I will wear that mantle of prayer and fasting where Pastor Tom doesn't even have to ask me. Your spirit can tell me to go on a fast and I will. Will do it. I believe this morning God is going to call people. I believe He already did in the first service to this type of lifestyle. The Bible tells us the prophetess Anna gave herself to prayer and fasting always. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. There's a heaviness in this room, and that is okay. There is a call of the Spirit, I believe, to every individual in this house, to the young and to the old, 
Because the promises of God for this church are for everyone. That precedent was set in the book of Acts. The promise is to you and to your children. And so today, the appeal for this altar call is as unique as this call is to fast. I want us to begin by praying a corporate prayer of repentance. Because that's a big part of what fasting is. That idea of humbling yourself before God to say, God, I am going to deny my most basic need because I need you so much more. More than my, what my body requires in terms of food. My spirit, God, requires hearing from you and knowing you. And God wants that for us. We don't have to go through this time in world history fearful and scared and confused. God has given us everything that we need, but we do not have access to it if we are not listening to what the Spirit is already saying. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.